Greetings. Welcome to the Dudas Papers. How you doing? So today I have my part two with Timothy Stiles. I really enjoyed talking to this guy because as you may notice, I usually speak to musicians and various people kind of chasing the dream. And I enjoy connecting with those people and being reminded those people exist on this earth because, you know, there's too many shitty people working these shitty jobs, reporting to shitty bosses. And these people try to come up to you and rub their shit all over you. They want to share their shit with you. And then you come home covered in shit from these people. And they find ways to just spread that shittiness upon people like you and I. I, I, I'm not trying to be passive aggressive about a specific person or a specific group of people. I'm just saying in general day-to-day life. But I guess I really enjoyed Timothy because he might be more like me in terms of trying to balance those two worlds, you know, trying to maybe be the grown up, have the grown up job and um, the grown up home, but but still have that desire to create and express yourself and 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 make something your own. But check him out. Um, If you like him, check out his podcast on iTunes, um, Timothy Styles versus the universe. Also, he's got an EP out there. I think you can download it for free off Bandcamp. So, uh, it's either kayfabe, kayfabe wrestling term, but yeah, check it out and don't let the shittiness get on you. big friendly corporation uh how how did you get into that because they existed before you right or before you were part of the band uh yeah uh, Yeah. they um i had my band uh going yeah scorch menza going and then about a year after that uh they they had started and i'd met them through a mutual friend um a great comic book artist named warren wusinich and um I was blown away, like, wow, these guys are fucking amazing, you know, to the point of where they made me question um, who I was as, like, a singer-songwriter, like, I need to step up my game, because they're doing really thought-provoking, catchy stuff, I'm big on, you know, pop music, and um, so we just became fast friends, because uh, I was good friends with their, um, Ryan and Melissa Marth, their brother Tommy, Uh, I was good friends with him from all the way back to high school. Yeah. So we just became great friends, and we hung out with each other for several years, five nights a week. You know, yeah. smoking cigarettes and drinking every night, and just having a good time. And um, to a point where eventually their bass player uh, wigged out. I'll just say that he that something was wrong, and he came unraveled and and disappeared. 
and they needed a bass player. And even though I had barely ever played bass, um, they asked me anyway. Because we were like family. Like literally all the people in that band are like brothers and sisters to me and still are to this day. So uh, I joined them and then we went on to make a couple records together. Yeah. Yeah. Were you on um, Building Better Machines? Or? Uh, no. Oh. Um, I helped get it out. Yeah. Because at the time, <clears throat> um, they're very, um, uh, at the time, they were very kind of slow working. You know, they, they were very yeah. slow. And I think, like... I, I'm I'm trying to remember. Like I think basically they had started working on their debut album. And I was so excited, and and then later I would start working on my debut album. And mine came out and went, and time had passed by, and they were still working on it. And I went to Ryan. I said, "What the fuck is taking so long?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, you know, uh, he's sort of uh, a space cadet when it kind of comes to that sort of stuff. You know, he 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 zones in on on something and." And um, really concentrates on it for a long time. So I basically said, well, look, I'm going to be your manager. Yeah. I'm going to help you get out, you know, all the things you need. I'm going to get you your stickers and your buttons and your T-shirts. And I'm going to set goals for you and things to accomplish and getting this record done. Because it, it had been a year and you're fucking taking way too long, you know, because recording... It's supposed to be a snapshot in time. I mean, I do believe you're supposed to spend some time on it, trying to make it as good as it possibly can be. But, but they were. I mean, they had they had moved a year past that snapshot in time, and they were still kind of dicking around with it. So I sort of set goals for them, and and they finally got it out, and I you know got them the CDs and all the you know sort of stuff that came along with that time. Um, so I wasn't on it. I think I was probably thanked in the liner notes or something. And I think it's a fantastic record. Yeah. I it's think, really, really good. I think that's the only one I've listened to, so i got to check out the ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've only had uh, two full lengths come out since then. I think the follow-up to that um, is even better. Yeah. I, it, I mean, if you want a, a good indie pop record with you know a lot of harmonizing vocals and just catchy, fun. Um, I mean, that's. Uh, I stand by that album. It's like probably the greatest thing I've ever done. Yeah. And I didn't write any of it. I just participated, mm-hmm. you know. So, and, and why'd you leave the band? Or? Um, well, it's a little complicated, but <clears throat> basically it got to a point where uh, I was, I became frustrated within the band because <clears throat> I'm someone who's very ambitious and at the time they weren't. Yeah. So it's not like a creative differences or anything. Uh, um, so those guys were all my best friends, Ryan yeah. Marth, Melissa Marth, Jeff Ford. And, you know, I would go over there once a week for band practice. Uh, and it was from eight to 10 and you couldn't go one minute past 10 and, you know, I'd get there at 7.30 and get my shit set up and and go out in the back and have a cigarette. This is when I was smoking. And, and 
you know, everybody would just be chilling out there, and eventually they'd all trickle in and, and show up, and they'd smoke in the backyard for like an hour, and finally I'd go, all right, I, I'm going to go in because I really want to play music. I'd go into the band room, and no one would follow me in. This happened for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And uh, I'd be in there like making music by myself. I'd be playing everyone else's instruments, you know, learning or trying to come up with something. And then finally they would come in, you know, with maybe... 20, 30 minutes left in, in what was going to be band practice, and they would just go, let's play this song that was off the first album. And I'd go, come on, let's, you know, let's make something. Let's do something. And <clears throat> it was always like a, a little bit of an argument. So to, to be an ambitious musician in that environment, it became very frustrating yeah. for me. I wanted to make record. I wanted to put out a record every year if I could. I'd settle on one every other year. Um and they, and here's the thing, I don't blame them. I'm sure they'll listen to this and go, yeah, you son of a bitch, why are you saying this shit? But, I mean, it's the <laughs> truth, and I don't blame them because, you know, name something that you'd been doing for nine years that you were just as motivated, you know, year nine as you were year one. Yeah. You know, um, in fact, I wish that someone were around to kind of tap me on the shoulder and go, hey, man, chill out. It's just a, you know, a downtime. Yeah, you know, have show a little patience, but I just didn't. I had grown frustrated, and what was more important to me than being in the band was keeping those friendships. Yeah, I did not want to alienate them. In fact, Mike McDonald, the former drummer, had alienated those friendships. He did stick around and had the same problems as me and was frustrated, and then took it out on the people to the point of where they just didn't like each other anymore, and then he was just kicked out. Yeah, or asked to leave, um, uh, and I didn't want to let it get to that point. So I just made the decision: like, if I want to make music, I gotta have to do it on my own. And, and I'm not saying that they held me back or anything, but I just didn't want to be frustrated anymore. And you know, uh, and I wanted to still be friends with them. And I left. And another thing was that I was spending, you know three to five nights out of my week working on Big Friendly Related stuff because I do Big Friendly Radio podcast one night. The next night I'd be editing it. The next night I'd be writing songs here in my own little room mm -hmm. um, or trying to record stuff. And then, of course, band practice and all this sort of stuff added up. And meanwhile, I had a you know one-year-old kid at the time who I was uh, neglecting a little bit. Yeah. And I don't want to be that person. So it was just kind of time to leave and venture out on my own keep the friendships you know make my own little music you know i made the uh, ep that I released about a, a month ago and been doing podcasts and things have been you know they've kind of worked out where now i'm doing my own thing i'm feeling good i've got my family life i'm very happy yeah and even they have sort of stepped up yeah right they've all the things that i was doing for them before now they don't have me around. So they've all stepped up and, uh, as far as I know, have been, you know, doing all these things. You know, they tried to carry on Big Friendly Radio a little bit after I was done. Um, they've erected a studio and have been working on, a, you know, a follow-up album mm -hmm. uh, for, uh, you know, they've been working on it for two years now. So they can no longer sort of take their... They are... They're not taking anything for granted. They're working on things, as well as working on their, their private lives. I know Ryan got a 
a paralegal certificate and Melissa's trying to become a real estate agent. So they're trying to mature gracefully while at the same time, you know, take hold of their, you know, music career, if that's such a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way it all worked out for the better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how'd you meet your wife, man? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was dating a friend of mine. Oh, uh, yeah. not like a friend where like you have his phone number. Yeah. But a guy that you would see three times a week because you both hung out at the same bar and maybe gotcha. you went to he- high school together. He was part of the crew, but I never really called him and went like, hey, man, let's go to the Pinball Hall of Fame or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was into her right away, of course, but she was, you know, obviously dating somebody else. And then they had broken up. And then a year went by and we bumped into each other and. Uh, started dating and it caused a big rift within my <laughs> my friends yeah these guys you know half of them were like that's bullshit he's not allowed to do this like but i'm from as i said the wrong side of boulder highway <laughs> and because it was a sort of gang area there was a lot of gang mentality uh when it came to women <laughs> it was it was a uh, uh the people who i grew up with didn't hold that sort of you know, you're not putting a flag into something, yeah. you know, when you get with a girl. Yeah. When it's over, it's fucking over. You know, that whole ain't no fun of the homies can't have none <laughs> sort of mentality, I guess. Yeah. And um, uh, I, so it had been a year since they'd broken up and we had started dating and of course people were outraged and I, you know, I just didn't give a shit you know i moved on with my life you know why if you were a friend of mine why would you keep me from happiness yeah you know um and it turns out that guy was a real piece of shit yeah so and i'm a you know halfway decent human being and it all worked out and you know we got a, a little family here and a little house and a life that's pretty fantastic yeah 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 my uh my wife and i we started dating and it was about a similar story right. you know um, she discontinued a relationship with a, a, a friend of mine about roughly a year or two before. Right. You know, and I don't remember too much of a riff, but there was definitely like an awkward period. But we've we've since like, I think he moved away. Right. And he moved back briefly. And he invited both of us to like a, his coming home party, you know. Right. And the three of us hung out together and it was cool and everything. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, these are all problems that are very um, exclusive to teenagers and 20-year-olds. Yeah. You know, where it's like, you can't date her, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, I was, I won't claim that I'm a genius, but I have a, a pretty good size IQ. Yeah. So I, I get the gist when I look at the world from afar. This is a drop in the bucket to real problems. Yeah. You fucking being upset that I'm dating your ex-girlfriend you know, much later than when you guys broke up. You know, it's a silly notion to think that you have ownership or any of these sort of high school-esque problems. I just don't, um, I don't engage in them. I don't honor them. Um, you know, and I don't give a shit. And in the long run, you get a little smarter, you know, just through world wisdom, you yeah. know, that comes with age. And you look back, and I'm sure your friend went, you know, he found somebody else. And he moved on, and he figured it out, and he was, you know, good enough to go. Yeah, you two come over, 
Yeah, whenever I hear about that sort of stuff, I go, that's a shame, you know. I wish someone was there for me to let me know when I was younger, like, don't worry about this girl breaking up with you, because it's not a big deal. You'll find another and you'll, you know, move on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you and your wife are together, so. Yeah. (laughs) You know, obviously it it was a serious connection. It wasn't just, you know... Yeah, I mean, we're very happy, and, um, uh, and you know, now we have a kid, mm-hmm. and now we're really, really happy. Um, there's some, I, I, I hate to be the guy that goes, I had a, a baby, and then my whole life changed, because it's kind of cliche, and I just yeah. hate cliches, but it's truly, um, you don't really understand it until it happens to you, um, where um, you do have a kid, and you're like, all of a sudden, your life switches. I think this is what it is. Your life switches from trying to make yourself happy to trying to make someone else happy. Yeah. You know, even like your wife. You know, me and my wife, we're both independents, but we're together. But we yeah. don't have to sit around trying to please each other all day. Yeah. We just try to take care of each other. But our daughter, we do try to make happy. We're trying to, make the, trying to give this person a, a future that we can be proud of. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting, well, it's very healthy to live for somebody else. You know, I, I quit smoking, I'm trying to be a, a, a decent father, and, um, you know, all the things that that entails. And it's made me a better person. Um, and I'm very happy about that. How old were you when she was born? Well, she's three now, so... so, so what? Uh, 34? 30, uh, yeah, I guess. We're yeah. 33, she's coming up on her fourth birthday in October. Okay. Yeah. We waited. I mean, we waited We waited just to get married. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I have a history of being impulsive, and I'm trying to fight that by not making any brash decisions when it comes to important things like marriage or having children. Because I don't want to be the guy who, you know, ah, I got married at 19, and that, there went my dreams. And, you know, we had a baby at 21 or 18, you know. Yeah. Um, I tried to think very wisely, and my wife, who is also smart, you know, did the same. So we knew, even though that we were dating, that we weren't marriage material. Yeah. So we dated and hung out and did all the things, but we also had our independent lives where she was doing what she did, and I was living the life of a, you know, a local quasi-rock star, you know, going out and having fun and late nights and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it was, you know, it was probably when I was 28, 29, where it's like, I'm ready to settle down because the lifestyle just didn't appeal to me anymore. You know, going out to smoky dive bars, um, just wasn't my thing anymore. Uh, I don't drink and half the band suck. So why am I doing this to myself? I'd be Mm -hmm. much more satisfied sort of hanging at the house, you know, watching a TV show or playing a video game, which is something I'm into. <clears throat> and then we very reasonably had a you know conversation on our third anniversary that I think it's time to start a family. And at that time, it's like, yeah, you know, it's it's time. You know, you don't want to wait till it's too late. And I you know put out several records. So mm-hmm. even if it worked out where I couldn't continue making music because of you know having a family, I was okay with it coming to an end if it if it did mm-hmm. it hasn't 
you know, I'm currently working on uh, uh, another batch of music now, um, and you know, podcasts. Yeah. But you know, I'm gonna keep. But it was okay to start it. Yeah. Start start the family anyway. Although we're not having another. I should say that you're done. You're <laughs> yeah. good with one. Yeah. I yeah. mean, she's a, she's a fun handful. It's 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 hard to record sometimes because. If she hears me down here and there's a drum kit set up or or guitars or anything, I'll be in here with the mics hot and I'll just hear the door pop open and she'll go right in that closet there and she'll pull out a tambourine and start, you know, shucking and jiving and it's like, nah, daddy's recording, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so so it's always kind of a challenge, um, which is why I only have an EP instead of a, you know, a full length because... You know, whenever I want to record, she's got to get in on it. Or if she hears me just playing, you know, acoustic guitar, she'll come down and, you know, play me my song or do this or do that. Yeah. Is, so, you, is your dad still in town? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I got uh, father, mother, brother, and sister. Mm-hmm. Um, all my grandparents are gone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're all out here. That's cool, man. Mm-hmm. Las Vegas. uh is my home city, even though I kind of hate it. Yeah. I mean, I love it because I'm from here, but when summer rolls around, I fucking uh, want to start, you know, tying off a noose. No, yeah, especially when you're a kid. It, summer here sucks so bad. I think when you're a kid, though, you're, you're a bit more um, forgiving because it's like, ah, I could just go outside in a pair of swim trunks and run around the sprinkler system. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Which was a thing when I was a kid. You don't see kids doing that anymore. No. Well, you don't see grass anymore. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, so, but when you get older, it's like, I pay for fucking air conditioning. I do not want to go outside my house in 115 degree heat because I just don't like sweating. It leads yeah. to rashes and, and if I feel gross, you know. Yeah. Um, I've flirted with the idea of moving away, but I just like my family too much you know like my brother and stuff and my my father and everybody um even though i don't see them you know every week i just like having that option yeah um but yeah i've I've, like i've thought about like man cedar city utah it's pretty sweet yeah Uh, that's a beautiful city or my wife has talked about you know moving to ohio you know specific you know secluded areas not you know uh uh, Cleveland or Cleveland, anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I love Las Vegas, mm-hmm. but yeah, when that summer sun comes around, it's like the seventh circle of hell. Like, Oh God. Yeah. 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 It's a great excuse for me to, um, uh, you know, stay indoors and, and play a game or something. But my wife is very much into the sun. She wants to, you know, let's go hang out by the pool and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like a, and I'm a big Christmas guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it snows here once every 20 years and it's a dusting, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, I think it was probably like five years ago. It snowed like big time. Like yeah. when we first bought this house, um, I was the happiest I had ever been. I want those goddamn white Christmases. Yeah. You don't get them here. I once went to, uh, see my sister in Colorado for Christmas and I mm. hope it was gonna snow I mean I hoped like, you probably froze to death <laughs> it was cold but it didn't snow I I really, really wanted a white Christmas and it didn't happen man still pissed about that yeah 
geographical talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it said on your uh, Tumblr, uh, you're a biography writer too? Oh, no, no, or no. Or is that just bullshit? No, that was a joke. Because okay. I wrote the biography. Oh, God. oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it said... Uh, uh, to put it into context for people at tsvtu.com, uh, Timothy Sounds versus the Universe, duh. Yeah. Um, when you click the about section, there's a picture of me and it says, Timothy Sounds is a, you know, a, a, an amateur, you know, podcaster or amateur musician and a yeah. professional biography writer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a joke because it's like, and you never see those, like, with MySpace or Facebook or anything over the years, like you have to realize that the, those are the people that are writing their own biographies. Yeah. Uh, so whenever you see the the one that's really like in depth, like he was born in, and it's in the third person. He was born in you know Saskatchewan, and you know yeah. learned the bongos at the age of twelve, and like. It's like, you self-righteous dickbag. One, I don't care about all this shit. And <laughs> two, it's not interesting at all. Yeah. So, so all my bios are, ever, you know, they're normally really short. It just, you know, it'll say like, yeah. raised by wolves. The end. Here, here I was thinking your day gig was like uh, like a ghost writer. Like, right, know? right. <laughs> that would be something. That would be pretty cool. Uh, you know, with my, with my actual podcast, there's actually a, a fair bit of writing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I do produce. Um, besides the actual conversation portions, much like this, I do produce segments as well that are sprinkled throughout the the episodes, and I have to sit down and physically write them out, and you know, write in like insert clip of you know Greedo being shot, or you know, yeah. Because there's so much that goes into these things that I I couldn't just you know sit and you know freeform it yeah yeah you know yeah definitely i've i've definitely noticed the the high production value of your podcast well that that comes from for years i did you know big friendly radio and yeah. big friendly radio was produced weekly and when you do a weekly show oftentimes you show up to the studio with uh i got nothing <laughs> oh god yeah. you know what am i going to talk about and you'll do a show that You'll openly admit when it's over. Um, that wasn't one of my best. And really, that's just you saying, eh, it was pretty shitty. Yeah. Well, guess what? Got to put out a show this week, and out it goes. Yeah. Um, now I'm of the opinion that I want to do things of quality uh, instead of quantity when it comes to podcasts. I wanted to do a show that people didn't simply digest weekly and then just never listen to again. I wanted to do something that was appreciated, kind of like a comedy album, where you'd want to keep it on your hard drive. You want to download it and listen to it, and then keep it on your hard drive for maybe a listening, you know, a year later or something. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's literally why the show is presented um, as an audio encyclopedia. Yeah. You know, you can't just have the A through H. You got to have them all. Yeah. Um, so. I spend a lot of time making each show as entertaining as I possibly can. There's a lot of editing involved. I don't think people know truly how much. I mean, the day after I put out the last episode, which is called Star Wars, yeah, um, people were like, make another show. Like, slow down there, yeah, Tiger. I mean, that one took 
a long, long time. Yeah. Um, you know, getting the, the conversations is easy. Um, but uh, writing the show and then the editing and the producing of the segments, that's the part that, that sort of, you know, takes a chunk. Because there have been times in the past where it's like, I've written a segment. It didn't turn out the way that I wanted it uh, when I produced it. So I just cut it and started over. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I really, um, I definitely hate editing the most, man. And my, my podcasts are pretty raw. It's pretty much straightforward. And it's Which is like what I, I too used much to, time. Yeah, I used to do that, too. And <clears throat> we end up having, I mean, there's an actual term in the podcasting community, if such a thing exists, uh, as podcast burn. Where, you know, the guy comes up with a, an idea and he does his show. And, you know, week four, he's already fucking tired of it. Yeah. He's tired of the work involved. He's tired, you know, in, in your case, you do a show that's um, specific to Las Vegas local musicians or, or personalities. Yeah. And, you know, something I was always worried about on Big Friendly Radio, we would often have the same thing, the Las Vegas musicians come on. Uh it's very easy to fall into a trap of every week asking them the same questions. So, how'd you get into music? Yeah. Where's yeah. your influences? You know, you can ask those same questions to everybody. Um, it's very hard to think of different things for every single person, and it takes a little bit of work. Yeah. And then once people realize that, they go, I'm kind of tired of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. <know? laughs> so, with the, the show that I do now... I have Las Vegas personalities and musicians come on, but it's not about them. Yeah. I um, have an idea for the next episode. I have an idea for the next 10, but uh, the next one specifically is going to be called, um, at least this is what I'm going for, it's going to be called McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Although it's not necessarily about McDonald's, it's sort of about America's fascination with fast food and the american way of life which is convenience speaking of which um you want to try some have you tried any of these yet so you are holding i always like to do this because i'm an audio guy you are holding a bag of lay's potato chips two bags um one is southern biscuits and gravy uh which doesn't sound bad and another is kettle cooked Greek town gyro, or is it hero? Hero, I believe it's hero. Yeah, uh, I think if I were to have to try one, I would go biscuits and gravy. Okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that I liked it. This was very impulsive, anyway. I, I, was I it? tried the last two last night, and no, what were the last two? Are the other two? Uh, let's see, there was Reuben and truffle fries. I really liked the Reuben, I did not like the truffle fries. But oh. my, my coworker loves the truffle fries. It tastes like biscuits and gravy. How about that? Oh. You gotta wonder how they get the flavors. Because they gotta reduce something down to a a syrup or something, right? Yeah, they have... Pork fat. <laughs> uh, flour. No pork fat. No... It's got onion powder. It's, so it's it's potatoes, vegetable oil... And biscuits and gravy seasoning, hmm. which is mostly malodextrin, mal- maltodextrin, skim milk. But yeah, so, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're tasty. Yeah. I don't get adventurous with my chips. Yeah? I'm kind of old school. Uh, you know, give me uh, Doritos, either the uh, 
the nacho cheese or the cool ranch yeah uh other yeah i don't need to get into all the other stuff um although i do like i really do enjoy like um a salt and vinegar kettle chip yeah that's like my thing and uh when i was a kid that would make me gag but now i don't know with my refined palate they're delicious well i feel so guilty because i i whenever these mass-produced promotional items come out it's mm-hmm. like i need to eat that i need to feel that what that experience you know that that's going to make me more complete as a human being you know well i'm uh, so i mean i mean this will parlay into the podcast that i'm probably going to be working on here soon the mcdonald's thing is that um i'm a i'm a over the past 10 years i've probably put on 50 pounds yeah. You know, uh, I used to be a thinner, you know, we all did. We used to be thinner. But, you know, th- that convenience has made, you know, a dollar menus. Yeah. Right? So we're eating these, you know, McDonald's cheeseburgers for a dollar. They're not healthy. They don't even taste like food half the time. If you ate one of those burger patties on its own, you'd probably be, you wouldn't be impressed at anything. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> now I'm at a point in my life, and, and I would eat all that shit. Because now I'm in my 30s and I'm making good enough money where I can, you know, live that lifestyle. And now it's caught up to me and I'm, you know, probably 250 pounds. Yeah. Which is not something I'm proud to say on record, but it's the truth. Now I'm thinking about, like, I want to start eating, like, zucchini and squash with a little light Caesar dressing. and Yeah. All this sort of stuff that is very inconvenient to do if you have a job. Yeah. You know, in my case, I'm an exterminator by day. Mm-hmm. So I'm just driving around all day. That means in the morning I'm going to have to pack a cooler with a, you know, a couple of bottles of water and, and, a, and a little thing with the cut-up zucchini and squash, which I might have to cut up myself and, you know, do all this sort of stuff. But it's something that I kind of have to do. So I'm trying to fight the urges and... and, and, and and not fall into the traps of buying a lot of the, uh, you know, Lay's potato chips that are, you know, uh, novelty flavors and stuff. Yeah. Half the time it tastes like shit. Anyway, I'm even afraid to put one of those uh, hero ones in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to face your fears? No! No! My belly has suffered enough. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. I mean... You know, of course, everybody wants to point to McDonald's being evil, which, you know, in many ways they are. But but then I hate kind of the people that go like, oh, Smashburger, it's good for us because it's all meat. It's like, but it's a lot of meat. And it's it's probably like... I don't even think of McDonald's as evil. Yeah. They're just a corporation. Their interest is in making money. And it's yeah. really, they're not even like a... God, this stuff really is all going in my podcast. But, I mean, they, they are... Uh, they're a company who... It's not really about the food for them. It's about the um, own, the land ownership. Yeah, you know, it's about getting those 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 primary spots. You know, right off the freeway, high traffic. You know, the burgers and all that stuff is secondary. Um, and all these fast food places are about that. You know, um, it, convenience, American way of life, and I've loved it, but. Now I'm trying to fight my way out. I'm, in a way, metaphorically trying to go analog. Yeah. You know, 
we've had our life where, you know, when we were young, we had cassette tapes or in our father's generations, we, he had a, a record player, then an eight track, then tape cassettes, then CDs. Hey, look, they take up so little space. And now we've got MP3s. Now there's nothing to hold at all. Yeah. You could just, you know, listen to music. And guess what? In the long run, it's bit us in the ass. Yeah. We don't appreciate music at all. Mm-hmm. I got to a point some years ago where I realized that I was so cynical and so unappreciative of music and judged everything by every little tiny bit that I just didn't like anything that ever came out, new or even otherwise. I yeah. would pick it apart and go, this is why this sucks and blah, blah, blah. And I hated that about myself because I made music. So the fact that I couldn't enjoy it really bothered me. And I thought about, well, what? how can I remedy that problem? When was a time where I really loved music? Well, when I was a kid, I had a record player. And I had the Jackson 5, Can You Feel It? You know, and I had, you know, three other records. And I knew every fucking lyric. I could recite the liner notes to you. I appreciated I knew who the, you know, the producers were. I, I could tell you every little bit about that music. And even though... It was stuff that I wouldn't necessarily hunt down or or listen to. Uh, I really loved it because it was mine. Mm-hmm. So some years ago, I you know got that record player and I started you know a very small record collection. Um, and in fact, I specifically had that stand made by a friend of mine named Jim um, because I only wanted it to hold so many records because. Uh, I don't want to have a record collection that just lines this room. I just want my own small little record collection. Yeah. I, I, I hope you don't mind me touching these, but this is beautiful, man. <laughs> I mean, I love the Downward Spiral so much. Yeah, you've, I've got them in alphabetical order, and so. you've, you've dipped into <laughs> the ends, and you've pulled out Nine Inch Nails, Downward Spiral, and Nirvana Live at Reading. The Live at Reading one was a gift from my wife. Yeah. Um, I have Nirvana's uh, In Utero, I still, I mean, to me personally, is one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah, yeah. The first, you know, the Nevermind is a big pop breakthrough for them, but In Utero is the most punk rock fucking thing ever. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big Nirvana guy. Uh, that Nine Inch Nails one, The Downward Spiral, is an aggressive Pink Floyd album. Yeah. I mean, the whole industrial thing, but there's so many spots on there where it's just a lot of um, ambient noise. Yeah. I think in the entirety of Side 3 is a cuz it's a it's a double album. It's just like of soft droning sounds. Yeah. It's fantastic to listen to. If you did drugs, it would be amazing. I don't, and I enjoy it just the same. Yeah. Well, yeah, Trent Reznor one thing I love about him is he's such a technical dude. He's he's smart and he's very organized mm-hmm. and and he puts out these massive productions. But he's really good at focusing on little imperfections and bringing those out and and up and, and and turning them into music. By the way, yeah, I mean that whole industrial sound is based on the the fact that he would take samples of machinery and use them as a rhythm section. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes they sound broken or weird or you know. But he's a a brilliant musician uh, and composer, you know, I mean, if you really think about like March of the Pigs, it's got such a fucked up, uh, 
time signature. Yeah. It's in sevens. You know, the, 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 you know, there's an extra note in there just to fuck with anybody who tries to recreate it at home, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's fantastic. I think that album's a masterpiece. I don't think it uh, gets talked about that much because it's not about the singles. It's a, it's like a concept album. Yeah. Everybody um, knows Closer. Everybody's like, yeah, the, yeah. Which Animal Fucker song. <laughs> and that's all they know about this album. The Animal Fucker animal. song. And it, they know Johnny Cash. Right. You know, they know Johnny Cash and the Animal Fucker song. And that's what they know about this album. Right. Which is horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame. Uh, and something else to be said. When that album came out, I mean, you want to talk about being confused about your sexuality. Uh, fucking Trent Reznor was the most androgynous dude where it's like, I think if I uh, got a few drinks in me, I'd probably stick it to him. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was like, wow, this guy's like sexed up. But kind of looks like a chick. I don't know. Yeah, well, eh, maybe. You know. Yeah, being thirteen and watching the closer video, it, it you're like, I feel fun. It's weird. I mean, his whole world is weird. Yeah. You know that sound that he developed for himself. The the way. Uh, oh, by the way, one of the songs on that album is called, I think, Love Gun or Big Gun, and it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, the lyrics are like, I've got a big gun, I want you to suck it, you know? Yeah. And then, of course, it's like, shoot, 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 I'm going to come all over you. Yeah. Like, fucking <laughs> right on the nose, like, ew, gross. But it's so, he's so, like, during this time frame, uh, he was so, like, overly sexualized. Yeah, yeah. And that bled through, even though his videos were, like, showing old footage of, like, you know, cockroaches eating you know decomposing flesh and stuff it's like i kind of have a boner i don't know where that's from (laughs) (laughs) but they're these beautiful uh orchestration you know these yeah yeah uh, yeah no the productions they're fascinating and they've never been replicated and that's the mark of a true genius if you do something that's sonically pleasing to a lot of people that's fascinating on every level visually uh musically and the fact that I'm sure people who have tried but never could even bother to be successful in replicating that sound, that means you're fucking great and everyone else is an idiot. Yeah. I mean, think about think about all the, uh, you know, uh, um, Rage Against the Machine, right? Mm-hmm. They're amazing, right? They do rap rock. Think about the entire genre of music that they um, inspired. Yeah. They're great and everyone else sucked. Um Nine Inch Nails was so fascinating that they did something that was, I'm sure, very inspirational, That, but no one else could even attempt to do. Yeah, definitely like Tool and Nine Inch Nails. I think those guys, so many bands tried to rip off the the mainstream appeal, but they just couldn't get all those little nuances at all. Well, they couldn't know? get this. They couldn't get the sonic thing down because often, you know, whenever a breakthrough band comes out, they do something really amazing, right? Yeah. Then the record labels go, "Ah, oh, shit, we need to get a bunch of bands just like Nirvana," and you know, they might get a few that 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 do pretty good. You're Smashing Pumpkins and your Stone Temple Pilots, but then there's a barrage of candle boxes and fucking, you know, and everyone like that that. That it water it down, that don't replicate it at all, that are corny as shit, to the point of where then that music genre dies and something else pops up in its place. Yeah. And it's just a cycle that goes round and round. Nine Inch Nails never had to suffer through that. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, this is my favorite lyric off this, this oh. album. <laughs> I want to know everything. I want to be everywhere. I want to fuck everyone in the world. I want to <laughs> do something that matters. By the way, not mutually ex- exclusive. Want to <laughs> fuck everyone in the world and want to do something that really matters. But that would matter. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. would... If I fucked everyone on the planet, you I mean, you would matter. Yeah. That means you've got a silver tongue. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I have taken a bit of your time, and I appreciate uh, uh, you having me over. But there is one last question I want to ask you. Um, I'm all ears. And, a challenge. And I was wondering about one of your segments on... Uh, yeah. From... Uh, from the Save by the Bell one, that dude that you that you interviewed, oh, big, right. uh, big Pete. So what was that all about? I, I've gotten into arguments with a couple people about what all happened there. Oh, really? Yeah. No, what did they say? What did you guys all think happened? So, it's, so to put it into context for the people, there's an episode that I did called Save by the Bell, and uh, there's a. A couple segments where I go to f- interview somebody who is part of the cast, and I end up finding uh, an extra by the name. Uh, uh, he played. Uh, his name is Brian Cooper, and he's he played Big Pete Stonebreaker. I think was his last name, and he was just an extra that had some speaking lines or whatever. Um, I interviewed him, and um, the interview turns south towards the end, and he attempts to stab me. And hold me up for $20. So you did find this real guy. Okay, so here's the the truth, um, uh, which I don't shy away from. Uh, it is not a real guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm devastated. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so I, I had an idea. You know, with every episode, I, I don't have a formula. I just, I have a couple conversations. And then I think about the Purdue segments from scratch. You know, nothing's formula. And on this particular episode, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I had, like, oh, I, I went out and interviewed a couple of the nerds. Mm-hmm. You know, on, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, man on the street thing. Um, so I came up with the concept of, oh, I'll have a friend of mine, and I have an improv buddy by the name of Frank Salvo, who I could trust, who... Who came in here, sat exactly where you sat, and instead of using my microphones, I simply used my iPhone to record this conversation and, you know, said, well, I'm in Brian Cooper's apartment and, you know, we're going to talk. And, and, and Frank and I had, I gave him no direction except for, I said, you know, at a certain point, maybe after five minutes or something, you know, you uh, uh, come unglued or unraveled and threaten me and, and whatever and that'll be the end of the interview and the big joke will be that you know you're you're nuts or you know try to steal my shoes or something yeah and it went the way that it went and i was going to do another one with a another nerd that was going to establish the joke that he was going to attempt to steal my shoes <laughs> <laughs> you know that would be the big joke like oh obviously it's fake yeah um <laughs> but as it turned out, I just did the one. He, we went for like 15 minutes where we had this, what could be conceived as a very real conversation between an extra, you know, working actor and just some dude who was interested in the show that he was on. And then at the end, it goes south, you know, where he's trying to steal my phone away from me. And then later in the episode is a, a voicemail that he sends me where he's going, give me your fucking phone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
Um, uh, and then at the end of the uh, episode, I even put like, you know, uh, you know, thanks to Brian Cooper, even though he tried to stab me, blah, blah, blah. And completely unrelated thanks to Frank Salvo. <laughs> you know, so, um, and <clears throat> here's the thing. My show, I'm really into like surreal humor. Yeah. I like just weird shit that's not necessarily punchline you know set up and punchline that is like head scratching like why would anybody do that or why why that's weird um i'm big into like andy kaufman yeah why would anybody dress up like tony clifton that what's the point why not Mm -hmm. that's that's the point why not um so you know i've got and it's supposed to be a gradual thing in my show that's supposed to happen over time that is supposed to get more and more surreal on the latest episode uh, Star Wars. Uh, towards the end, I, th- you know, I bring on the producer of the show, T.J. Fogarty. Mm-hmm. That's me. <laughs> Timothy Styles is, you know, the the stage name that I've been going by for fifteen years. Yeah. And T.J. Fogarty is who the real person is. I've always had a distinction that the, all the technical work is done by T.J. Fogarty, and all the creative, you know. So all the songs I've written say, you know, written by T.J. Fogarty, mm-hmm. but the, or, you know, but the album is Timothy Styles, or, you know, the same thing, you know, produced, the show's produced by T.J. Fogarty and Timothy Styles or what, is whatever. It's this weird dual personality thing that I have, that I try to keep those two lives separate, the entertainer and the family man. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's obviously the segment at the end of the show where I say, Hey, TJ, take a bow. And it's me with a, you know, pitch shifter on my voice going, Hey, thanks a lot. You know, whatever. Uh, (laughs) and to a lot of people probably like yourself have no fucking idea. Like, Oh, you know, that's something. But if you stick around long enough, you'll probably figure it out and go, why would anybody do that? Why not? Yeah. So just one little follow up question. So Mm -hmm. Tiffany Amber Thiessen, so she she is okay (laughs) to make eye contact with. Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Just checking. Great. I mean, as far as I know, you know, you can see her on the street and give her a, a weird look, and she might, you know, sick the security guard on you. Okay. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much, Thank Timothy, you. TJ. Thank sir. you. Good times. So there you go. What'd you think? Did we tie up all the loose ends from episode one? Um, so I really appreciate uh, anyone who comes and takes the time to check out this podcast. Uh, reach out to me. Say hi. Uh, I'm on the Twitter. Uh, I think under Duda's Papers or any various comment sections available. Let me know what you think. Um, I'd always be game for a uh, more iTunes reviews. Let me know if you like me. If you don't, thank you. I'll see you later. <laughs>